Hello, and welcome to Anime Audio Commentary. Today I'll be commenting on episode 42 of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. If you'd like to watch along, then start watching now. Alright, so last we left off, things had gotten a little interesting. You know, on the one hand, Alphonse wasn't doing too well. And indeed, he seems to be not doing particularly well now, having been disassembled. And at the same time, uh, Edward wasn't doing too well either, having been impaled through the abdomen, but he's doing a little bit better in that those two chimeras are now sort of tacitly on his side and they managed to scrounge up a philosopher's stone too so if nothing else they have uh, a little bit of an ace up the sleeve so now that we're dealing with uh, Winry and company Man, I feel like uh, this whole disassembling Alphonse business was perhaps a little poorly thought out. You know, perhaps they had to do it to transport him. But at the same time, waking up and being in pieces is probably... really disconcerting. You know, I like how they're explaining this whole thing to him. Yeah, we had to disassemble you to carry you while he's still there in pieces. I mean, geez, at least, like, do him the courtesy of fixing him back up. Man, and he's just like, you know, if you don't mind, please put me back together. Like, I feel like that should have been the first order of business, honestly. Like, hey, now that you're awake, we'll get you back in good operating condition. Alright, so I guess, despite being, um, 
I don't know what you'd call it, like, uh, a bit of a social faux pas on everyone's part. May seems to have had the idea to scatter all the pieces of the notes and rearrange them, you know. Rearranging the pieces, as it were, might yield new knowledge. So, you know, she has an idea, but I feel like that's a little leap of logic right there. You know, what if we were to overlap all the instances of these words and, you know, put them down as like a map? So, you know, it might be a little bit convenient, but it does seem to... Well, you know, maybe it hasn't yielded anything after all. Uh, this makes me... a little disquieted that they're just sort of like drawing on the notes. Ah. Uh, I mean, it has yielded something. A transmutation circle, in fact. And... On the one hand, it's kind of similar to the transmutation circle we know of. You know, the big one that's going to kill everyone. But at the same time, you know, it's a bit different. So I find it a little interesting that everybody's just sort of giving up. You know, yes, they have discovered something, but... Okay. So, you know, that, that makes a bit more sense. Alphonse is of the belief that they haven't quite cracked everything. You know, they're merely working with half the picture here. And if perhaps they figure the rest of the codes, then, uh... You know, they might have something they can work with. Oh dear. So, um... Despite being ostensibly useless... It seems as though Yoki might have, uh... Helped out everyone and saved the world. You know, it makes sense in a weird sort of way that if uh, what the homunculi are doing, trying to transmute everyone into a Philosopher's Stone, is a bad thing, then the way to deal with it would be to invert the operations, as it were. Oh, hey! You know, that little transmutation circle's in the title card. I'm going to have to uh, go back through and look and see if that's been in all the title cards or if that's just a recent edition. Because I seem to recall that it's been in previous episodes, you know. That'd be a nice little bit of uh, foreshadowing. Or maybe not foreshadowing, but sort of like, you know, hey, this will become important even though you don't know it now. Uh, I guess that is foreshadowing. Now, just in case anyone thought they were in the clear here, Kimberly is still prowling. 
And lest we forget, he happens to have a Philosopher's Stone, so he's still armed and very dangerous. I mean, granted, he doesn't have any goons to follow him around, but... Does he really need him if he has a Philosopher's Stone? Oh dear. So he seems to have encroached onto Pride's territory here. Pride naturally knows that he is um, a uh, an asset. Oh dear. Yeah, things are getting uh, rather not good. Pride is instructing Kimberly to just carve the Crest of Blood. You know, go ahead and start a massacre. That, to me, smacks of desperation. You know, Sloth is working away tirelessly. They need to carve that last Crest of Blood. Presumably the last Crest. And... It, it really just seems to me that they're aware that people are starting to catch on to their conspiracy and that if they don't get things underway soon they might not have the opportunity at all and there's no doubt in my mind that, that would definitely be unacceptable to father So Major Miles said it himself, despite the explosion, they didn't find any bodies. And sort of like the golden rule of fiction is that if you don't find a body, they're not really dead. I mean, obviously we as viewers know this to be true. None of the people involved are dead, but given what they have to go on, I think Miles is making a reasonable assumption that if the explosion didn't kill them, then the inhospitable conditions just generally present in the North surely must have. So unfortunately, it seems like there's combat going around all over the place. And these seem to be like the crests of blood here that are necessary to form the transmutation circle. Yeah, that's a rather brutal reminder of the realities of war that... I believe his name is Sergeant Fury, his being relegated to trench warfare. You know, I have to sort of question the wisdom about these guys talking over what is presumably an unprotected line. I mean, the guy even admits it that Bradley has his soldiers working around the clock to make things miserable. 
If I were him, I wouldn't necessarily assume that my conversation wasn't being overheard. So speaking of making things miserable, Sloth has finally finished that tunnel, making it a big circle. So given that he no longer has to dig things, that's unfortunate for the protagonist because uh, Sloth seems to take a lot of stuff to be put down and he's no longer distracted by his main duty. So I feel like he's going to uh, start bedeviling Fort Briggs in short order. So it seems like we've cut to Lior again, and the place has definitely seen better days. But I think what's interesting here is that Rose is in seemingly good spirits. Last we left off with her in, uh, gosh, episode 3 I believe, um, she was not in a good place. You know, she had essentially suffered a crisis of faith as Father Cornello was proven to be a fraud. You know, he had essentially promised her that if she had kept faith, her late fiancé would be restored to life. And I guess with the Philosopher's Stone it would be possible, but obviously Father Cornello had no intention of doing anything like that. And that her faith was misplaced really, uh just like kicked her legs right out from under her. Ed ended up giving her a bit of a stern talking to saying, you know, like you have to stand on your own. You can't rely on other people to improve things for you. And it seems like she's taken that to heart, which is really nice. You know, she's, she's almost a pillar of the community in a weird sort of way in that, all these men are laboring, clearing rubble, rebuilding destroyed buildings, and she's the one, you know, sort of like manning the food line, handing out bread and soup. And, I don't know, having done manual labor, it's little things like that that can make it bearable, because, you know, it is hard on the body to move things to and fro, to do heavy work like that, but a little bit of kindness and affection makes it worth it. You know, the body might get tired, but if the spirit is willing, you know, sometimes that's enough. So I don't think it's any coincidence that Hohenheim is investigating this place considering how it's presumably one of the Crests of Blood. Naturally, it must lead in some way back to where Father is. You know, that's almost treated like a throwaway line, but I think that's very interesting how Rose says, that's no miracle, that's alchemy. 
you know, when you know what it is, it's easy not to confuse it for a miracle, I suppose. But at the same time, I guess she's had uh, some experience with it. I don't know. I just think it's interesting that she's not relying blindly on faith anymore. I mean, that's not to say she no longer has faith in her life at all. Perhaps she still does, but it's not everything now. You know, she is doing things herself. So this is decidedly not good. Hohenheim has uh, sort of transgressed against pride here, and he seems intent on killing Hohenheim. I guess it has to do with pride's sort of amorphous form that he's not really stopped by anything Hohenheim can throw at him. At least not so far. Well, that is very interesting. Pride doesn't seem to be able to go beyond the border of the circle. So it's interesting that not only can Pride not pass beyond this border, he also sort of recognizes Hohenheim because Oh, this is interesting. So Hohenheim seems to think that Pride is the homunculus from the flask. Pride sort of, uh, recognizes Hohenheim based off of context. Neither is really aware of precisely what the other is doing. So I do find it interesting that Hohenheim is trying to needle at Pride a little bit, try and provoke him a bit. So... I mean, I guess it would make sense that Pride isn't particularly capable of anger, considering that's not his remit. You know, now that Hohenheim's listing out all the sins, we haven't really seen Greed in a while. I wonder what he's up to, considering that his role in everything was never really well-defined. I have to wonder what precisely he has been doing. Alright, so this is an interesting little exchange here. You know, Hohenheim was sort of scouting things out, and he's not really content to go see Father right now. He's just sort of saying, you know, Hey, you're not as safe as you think you are. I know where you're hiding. It's a rather bold thing of him to do, to be honest, considering how deadly Pride has already proven to be. 
And surely, if Pride is a subsidiary of Father, Father is certainly more dangerous. So, you know, good on Hohenheim for actually dissolving that bridge, considering he was saying normal people shouldn't mess around here. It's almost kind of wondering if he'd leave it up. Alright, so it's uh, probably about that time to carve the crust of blooded Briggs. Unfortunately, it seems as though a couple regiments of Drachman forces have uh, snuck up. That is decidedly not good. You know, I'd imagine that would put the fort on red alert right away. I mean, on the one hand, you know, they're in a fortified position. You only have to play defense here. Not that that's exactly an easy thing to do, but if you're emplaced and you have artillery and crew-served weapons, you know, you can hold out. But at the same time, Drachma seems to have amassed a rather large force here. So there we have it. You know, they want to carve this crest of blood, and Kimbley seems to have dragged Drachma forces into it. You know, it seems he sort of fed them a little bit of information like, Hey, Major General Armstrong's away. Now's a good time. And they've, uh... For better or for worse, taken the bait. You know, there's that phrase again. A declaration of war. That's really, uh... A rather dismal phrase, because I guess it's true. There is essentially a war... Starting now. Although it's between the homunculi and humanity rather than between Amestris and Drachma.
Oh dear. So Zampano here, he seems to be uh, still displaying some loyalty towards Kimberly and the homunculi. That's a shame, you know. I was kind of hoping he really did the right thing. Alright, well that's it for this episode. If you've enjoyed it, then by all means, tune in for the next one. See you, Space Cowboy.